Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I don't know how young Brock was either when he had the kids too, but he probably was younger than he is now. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, Vanderpump Rules, Real Houses of Beverly Hills, and Winter House Recaps. Um, Once again, I'm just going to go as quickly as I possibly can through Vanderpump, and then we'll get on to... Oh, God, I'm so happy. I'm so happy to be done with Beverly Hills. You have no idea. Oh, just a sigh of relief for all of us, but let's get into Vanderpump. So we start off the episode with Randall planning a poker night for the boys. And Lala tells Randall, like, you know, after she left that event, um, Brock basically cornered her and spewed a bunch of stuff like him having a restraining order, uh, put out by him or by his baby mama rather. So we get to see a lot of people's reactions to this. We see Katie having a conversation with Schwartz and she's basically like, I don't really understand why everybody is sweeping this whole domestic violence situation under the rug. And Tom is like, well, don't you think that Sheena and Brock have maybe talked about it and they figured it out. And then as Tom asks Katie, if maybe Sheena, if she thinks that Sheena might be in denial because she's in love with him and <laughs> kind of feel like that could be the second uh the second title to the show most of you people are in denial about the people that you're in love with katie i mean katie if a man dumped a drink over my head i would literally never speak to him again um but you know what 
I, it just feels like this season is a lot like that Spider-Man meme. Like, everybody's calling out everybody else's behavior, even though they're, you know, uh, varying degrees of hypocritical in doing so. And really, that's what we come here for. That's why we watch Vanderpump Rolls. I'm here for it. Kind of. <laughs> so then we get to see James and Raquel talking about it. And I about died when James said, um, you know, I don't know how old Brock was when he had kids, but he's probably younger than he is now. <laughs> Thank you, James. Thank you. That was just just absolute perfect insight on the situation. Raquel is just an angel. She's an angel amongst demons. And she is basically just like, I don't know. It just seems like... Brock might not be everything that Sheena portrays him to be in her vlog, which then we get to see Sheena as a YouTuber. And there's a whole, she's making a video. She and Brock are making a video in which they're making apple pie. And Sheena says just, uh, Oh, y'all know how much I love when people tell on themselves. She says, um, you know, that her track record with ex-boyfriends doesn't really bode well for her. So she uses YouTube as kind of an outlet so that people can see another side to she and Brock because she wants to be able to show people the true authentic version of herself completely unedited, except by her. (laughs) So then we see Sheena and Brock have a conversation about how maybe they should talk to Lisa. And I, feel like this dynamic is very odd. I don't know why we're still deferring to Lisa as like the grand dame of Vanderpump Rules. I mean, I know why, because it's called Vanderpump Rules, but it's just very strange to me that they're that concerned about Lisa's opinion of Brock. Is this the end-all be-all? Is this a I want her to approve situation i'm curious as to why brock is so invested in lisa's approval is it because they know that i mean listen problematic behavior has not stopped lisa from taking somebody under her wing before you know basically every person that she has befriended with the exception of probably sheena and raquel has been highly problematic people so he doesn't really need to worry about that he just has to do the broken bird thing and he's good as gold oh wow That was a pun that I did not intend. (laughs) But I said it, and here it is. So here's a scene that I was confused about, but not too uh, invested in it to relook and see what happened. So I'm just cobbling it together based on, like, my drug-addled mind and what I was able to parse, parse out. So to my understanding, Raquel had a nose job, or she wanted to have a nose job, but the doctor just told her to do these nose exercises 14 times a day. Um, so I guess there was an issue with her nose job. So she spoke to Lisa about it. Lisa gave her a recommendation to meet her doctor. And so Raquel and Lala, or excuse me, Raquel and James go boxing because that's like an outlet for her. And, and James is looking for an outlet for his rage and fat phobia. Um, so they go, and after boxing, they're talking about how, you know, Lisa recommended this doctor. So James says that's great, but also he has some concerns. Raquel says, 
listen, I'm going to go see this doctor, but I am going to have to tell him the whole truth, which is that you bumped my nose because I want him to know the whole story. And James flips out. He is like, oh, I don't want you to tell him that. Why is it necessary? Don't tell Lisa. Don't tell that doctor that I bumped your nose. Raquel says that this just happened because he leaned in for a kiss and got too aggressive and, and bumped her on her nose right after she got her cast off. But he's acting like they're going to think that he hit her <laughs> or put hands on her. And I'm not sure why he took it to that extreme. His concern was concerning to me and confusing. I, I don't know why he was so upset, but it's almost like I had to let that go because then he gets into this very strange territory. And I don't want to take up for James, but I think, you know, given we just saw him say, I don't know how old Brock was when he had kids, but it was probably younger than he is now. I think James might have an issue with communication. (laughs) I suspect that might be an issue with James. And so I think what he was trying to say was that I don't want you to go overboard with the surgeries, but what came out was horrific. And he basically just said, I don't want you... I like the way you look now. I don't want you to go too far with this nose. I just need you to know that you look good right now. And attraction's pretty important to me. In a confessional, he says, listen, I think Raquel is beautiful the way she is right now. I still get rock hard. Just just the blood just rushing down to my English penis. in just... The, the the glow of my attraction to Raquel. Um, but then he says, Raquel, if I end up hating the way you look, what are we going to do? I need to make it very clear and I'm going to continue to make it clear because it's very important to me. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. Again, I don't want to act like what he did what he said was not awful it absolutely was but I think he was saying like I just don't want you to be like too focused on on plastic surgery because that's going to be an issue for me but when he just boils it down to me my being physically attracted to you is extremely important and I don't know what I'm going to do if you look different that's just not something you say to the person that you just put a ring on their finger you know it seems very conditional and, and extremely scary. And she's already pretty insecure. And I think she's made that pretty clear. And I think maybe we shouldn't go down this road, James. I think we shouldn't. Also, Raquel's gorgeous. You know, it, it, you know, it means nothing and it means everything. You know what I mean? Anyway, earlier there was a scene where the Toms go to uh, Villa Rosa to talk to Lisa about putting some new menus on Tom Tom's uh, menu um, or two new items on the Tom Tom menu because they're about to reopen and they come in matching outfits. <sighs> I don't know why this is so triggering for me, but I just something I, I hate feet, you guys. Full stop. I don't like feet. I don't like. I don't want to have to deal with them. You know, I just, I don't like the idea of feet. They're just not my thing. 
Tom Schwartz is somebody who is what my friend calls a pig pen to me in that like he always looks dirty and he just doesn't seem like showering is a priority for him. And he's constantly wearing these Adidas, I think they're Adidas slides, and it just turns my stomach. <laughs> and this is just a me thing. Like, I just find it so gross. <laughs> but then they have this conversation about how... um you know, Tom wore the slides to this important business meeting and how unprofessional that is. But also they talk about how he needs a pedicure. So this leads us to another scene where Tom and Katie go over to Villa Rosa to have pedicures. Again, this was a nightmare for me because there were just a lot of close-ups of Lisa's feet, Tom's feet. Oh, I just, oh, <laughs> I couldn't take it. Even talking about it now is really grossing me out. Um, so they start talking about how we found out last week Tom Schwartz was not approved for his home equity loan that he was going to be taking to fund Schwartz and Sandy's. And Lisa is like, oh, great. Uh, this is a great opportunity for me to make a storyline connecting myself to this these people in any sort of way. Because outside of my name being the title of the show, I... They don't work for me, really. So what am I going to do? So she offers Schwartz a to buy him out of TomTom and give him 100000 and he can put that money into Schwartz and Sandy's. Tom, the smartest thing that I've ever heard him say is, hey, TomTom is extremely important to me. I would, there's not a chance in hell that I'm going to get you, get this money from you. I, I'm not going to take the buyout. I'm, I'm going to stick in and just figure it out, right? He also mentions that, during his application process for the home equity loan, that he thought that one thing was probably the thing that rejected him, which is that for occupation, he put Mactor, model slash actor. Do you think we, he really did that, sir? <laughs> so I, I don't know what people do on reality TV, like, when they're applying for these loans, like, what do you say you are? That, maybe that's a better question. What do, what do you say? Do you say reality TV or TV star or what do you, entertainment? What do you say? I don't know. Mactor would not be it. Mactor would not be it. Um, anyway, at one point, the, you know, just to, to, to make me feel better, I think the gods put in that they were sitting on these collapsible beach chairs and it folded in on shorts, just completely made a short sandwich. And I, I appreciated that. It was, it added some levity to the situation of all those feet. Um, moving on, we see Ariana go over to Lala's. So we found out earlier in the episode that Lala invited her to, or rather asked her to provide alcohol because she's sober. Fair enough. Right. Confusing because they're not really friends. The last time they had a conversation, Lala was screaming at how they don't fuck with each other and they don't like each other. They're not friends, etc. So yeah, why are you inviting me to your house early to like have little chit chats that people do when it's usually designated for like BFF behavior, right? So Lala does recognize this, how awkward and weird it is that she invited her. But then she kind of brushes it under the rug and is just like, well, yeah, I mean, like, I'm just no to explode all the time. And, like, you got really triggered and, and pissed off at me. So we're fine. Is there a sorry in there? Or no? Uh, okay. Um, I just don't like how 
Lala takes no responsibility for her rage. Like, we're all just supposed to accept it as just a quirk of Lala. And, like, you can't get mad at her being mad at you. You just have to accept that she pops the fuck off sometimes, most of the time, for bullshit or no reason at all. And it's just Lala, right? Like, that's just giving him Lala. And I just think people have given her a lot of passes on that, and I I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. I, I just want one black woman on this cast to just tell Lala, you're not black. You're not an alpha. You're not who you purport yourself to be. You can scream all you want, but that does not make you the HBIC. And that does not mean that like, we're all just supposed to accept your rage blackouts, girl. No. Anyway, they kind of get along. Ariana says in a confessional that they've kind of sowed the seed of friendship. She doesn't know if it's going to bloom into a flower, but only time will tell. Um, at one point, we also find out that this was the night of the boys' poker night. By boys, I mean men 35 and older, um, and James. And uh, Lala has to mention that Chloe uh, Kardashian, ever heard of her, gave Randall the nickname of Rebuy Randall when they did some sort of celebrity poker challenge that happened on Keeping Up with the Kardashians, a particularly boring episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, if I must say so myself. Um, You know who else calls Randall? Rebuy Randall? Uh, The IRS girl. Anyway, um, do you think that that Chloe even remembers Randall? She might. Chloe really takes in, like, the flop reality dregs of of reality bravo stars like why is she friends with kim zolciak and brielle like i know why i know that they they snuck in through malika i know that but still why you know it just doesn't feel right it's like they're like unlikely animal friendships like in it but not in a cute way you know not in a cute way. It's like a like a porcupine and a snake being friends. Like that's not that's not like a duck and a kitten, you know? It's just kinda like, well, that's weird. And then you move on, you know? That's that's Kim and, and Chloe. Kim Beerman and Chloe. Anyway. Um so it's time for the boys' night and Sandoval shows up looking like a Bond villain. Only and that really made me sad. He's really, like, I've been loving his his wardrobe journey. This was a bridge too far for me. But fortunately, the thing that was more sad was that Jesse Metcalf of Desperate Housewives fame showed up, and I guess he's friends with Randall. And, like, here's my question. Is it... Is it worse that Jesse Metcalf came on the show? Or is it worse that he came on the show you know what i mean like is it worse for him or is it worse for the show that he made an appearance hard to say anyway i don't really give a shit about uh poker night whatever um randall ended up losing like five thousand dollars which you guys if you didn't hear my my monday episode i talked about how randall's in a boatload of trouble right now because his wife or his first wife his i guess that was his only wife his ex-wife took him to court or rather he took himself to court to try to change the, uh, or decrease the amount of child support because they had a a stipulation in which Randall was supposed to keep a, an account open for non-tuition related 
expenses for the two children that they have. That bank account was supposed to always have $50,000 in the account. And so uh, Randall went to the courts and said, because of the pandemic, he wasn't able to produce movies in 2020 like he used to. And he was not doing well financially. And so he wanted to eliminate that $50,000 bank account. He also owes money to the IRS and he's on a payment plan with uh, the F- the IRS and American Express for, I think, $25,000 a month, 15 in one, 10 in the other. So he's not doing great. Not doing great. So like seeing him just blow $5,000 on a bunch of dudes that didn't even know really how to play poker that well. It's just sad, you know? But I'm happy that Jesse Metcalf made $1,700 that night because it's probably been a long time since that happened, you know? I don't really know how long that John Tucker must die money is really working out for him. Anyway, um, back at Lala's house, she's having the girls over. And they sit down for dinner outside. Charlie, Charlie's back, by the way. She provided her own dinner because we know she has, um, you know, her food issues. And she was like, you know, I brought my own because I really felt like Lala was not sensitive to my food issues. And she was not going to be accommodating. So she brought her own food, but she asked for hot sauce. So she goes inside to get the hot sauce. (laughs) I love this little moment of uh, Sheena starting to talk in a very Sheena way about her boyfriend. Now, this this partner. We know how Sheena does. She has a tendency to talk up the partners because inevitably somebody or most people or all people don't like whoever she's with at this point. So she tells these cutesy stories. And I could just tell that, like, as soon as she started the story about how she had bought um, her ex, was it Adam? She bought Adam, or she adopted a penguin in his name, but then uh, once she got with Brock, he didn't know, but he adopted a koala for her from the zoo. And you could just tell that Ariana was like, no, I'm not listening to the story again. I've heard it seven too many times. So I'm just going to go help Charlie find that hot sauce. Bye. (laughs) I just love that she was like, I'm not sitting down for this. I got to go. So then... Who else gets up? Oh, Sheena then gets up to figure out where Charlie and Ariana have been because they've been inside for a while. And then Katie and Lala, with Raquel as a bystander, start talking about the whole Brock situation again. So Katie correctly, I have to admit, does say that this whole situation with Brock doesn't really make sense. How information has been rolled out. And it's like one thing for him to not see his kids, but then it's quite another to find out why. Okay, why do you not see the kids? Because you don't, because you owe child support. Why are you not paying child support? Because you figure you can't see the kids, so you're not going to pay them anyway. Well, that doesn't make sense either. So fair enough. I have a lot of questions about that too. And Raquel says in a confessional that like, listen, Brock's already been put on trial. I don't understand why we need to be doing it again. And when everybody comes back, they decide to get changed, to go to the hot tub. And Raquel takes uh, Sheena aside and says, hey, when you were inside the house, they were talking about Brock. And she tells her the whole situation. And Raquel says, I think the kindest and most, uh, I don't want to say level-headed, but just like, like direct 
straight and narrow thing that she says, which is, it's not like you're dating this man, Sheena. You have a baby with him. You have this commitment to him. And I just think it's really unfair of everybody to question, um, like, your judgment on who Brock is. Fortunately, I've never been in this situation myself where I feel like there has been or I've heard about an incident in which my friend's partner was abusive. Um, You know, I don't know what I would do, but if I'm thinking about the friends that I know, of course you're concerned and of course you just want to make sure that your friend is okay. But then also... Raquel is right. Like, where is the trust for your friend that they're making the right decision? At what point are you not being fair to Sheena? And it's getting into unfair territory. Maybe not so much with the other women, but definitely with Lala. Sheena says that somebody who actually cared about her, like if Lala actually cared about her, she wouldn't be bringing that stuff up. She kind of thinks that Lala's concern is bullshit. And in a confessional, Sheena says that she doesn't understand what the obsession with Brock is because when Lala brought it up the first time at Lisa's house, Sheena asked her to stop and talking about it and she told her she would. So the girls get into the hot tub and Katie tells Sheena, oh, my mom had a gift for the baby for you and I was going to give it to Brock. But then when I got home, I found out that Brock had left early. So sorry. And Sheena says, Listen, no offense to you, Lala, but I texted Brock and was like, why the fuck did you tell her that? And Lala was like, yeah, I agree. I don't know why he told me that either. Um, Sheena says that Brock just gave Lala the highlights of information and that Lala took that information and ran with it. Lala says, I stand by the fact that I'm not coming for you, Sheena. And Sheena says, I just wish you would trust my judgment And know that I'm not going to have a baby with somebody who I think is a terrible person. But another thing that's frustrating to me is that this is our second year of our relationship. And why did you not bring this up in the first year we were together? Sheena says, or excuse me, Lala says it's because she didn't know. And so Sheena says, well, you didn't know he had two kids. And Lala says, I knew he had two kids, but I wasn't going to judge him for that because so does Randall. But, you know... And I thought it was, (laughs) here's where she got weird. She's like, I thought it was great that I was going to have a friend who was ready to step up and be a stepmother. And it's like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? (laughs) She's acting like, like, it's a brave decision. Like, like, none of you other bitches are out here being, being tough like me. You're not taking on the role of stepmother. Not like me. And I was just grateful that somebody else was going to do it. And it's like, you don't get a gold star for being a stepmom, girl. Like, what? <laughs> it was just a very weird argument to bring up with regard to this. Um, but then she goes on to say that um, Brock just dropped that he hadn't seen his kids in four years and says to Sheena, do you just expect us to think that that was no big deal? And Sheena was like, well... Ariana already knew. I think Raquel already knew. And she's like, well, I don't care what they knew. And it's like, well, (laughs) which one is it? Pick a lane. Pick a lane. 
she goes on to say, it's just beyond me that Brock has these domestic violence charges against him that he hasn't seen his kids in four years. Fair. Um, And then she tells Sheena to not project her issues on everybody else, that this stuff is entirely because of Brock, and that not only is Sheena a victim of Brock's issues, that Summer is, and his other children are as well. So then everybody goes to Lisa and Ken's house. They're going to work through the Tom Tom menu, see what to put on it. Schwartz and Sandoval are making their own cocktails and they're just going to see like, you know, which, which one are we picking? Right. Um, Brock gets there. He's amazed by Villa Rosa and he asks Lisa in front of everybody, can I just sit down and have a conversation with you? But before he does that, he addresses everybody and says that he has a history. He's learned from the mistakes that he's made, blah, blah, blah. In a confessional, Lala says, this is the part that grosses me out the most, is that Brock displays something horrific and he tries to put a pretty bow on it. So Tom Schwartz comes out with a drink to put back on the menu. This is the drink that he created. And Katie says, wow, is that the watermelon basil margarita? Y'all, if you didn't watch this episode, it was a pretty tiny glass with a huge stock of basil and a chunk of watermelon that was so big that it looked like it was going to tip the glass over. Yeah, this is the watermelon basil drink, Katie. <laughs> no, no questions needed. It looked really pretty, but baby, that was a stupid question, hun. Anyway, um... So Lisa and Brock then sit down and Brock says that it was important for them to sit down because he wanted to tell her about his past and prove that he wasn't the person he was 10 years ago. So he goes on saying that like, he just had a brief conversation with Lala. He thought that she was going to understand things a little bit more and that the situation was a bit more complicated. Um, And then he says, you know, the situation between me and my ex was toxic. Yes, there was an incident and I slapped my partner. Now, we didn't know this part. That was... Yikes, right? It's it's never... It, it's always tough to hear the details. So Lisa asked if the, slight, the slap is what triggered him getting a restraining order. And he says, no, actually... He slapped her. The incident that got him the restraining order happened two years after the slap. So in a confessional, Brock says they were 19. They were together. They, uh, did they find out that they were? No. Okay. So they were 19 and got together and they moved to France at some point after his first son was born. After the son was born, at some point they separate. During that separation, she found out that she was pregnant with their daughter. And this led to an argument between Brock and the ex-wife's father. And that incident is what the straining, what got the straining order. So here's where he loses me again. Brock says, <clears throat> excuse me, that after the separation... The ex-wife took the kids away from him. So they went to court and the restraining order was lifted. So it seems like that situation of the restraining order has been resolved. So Lisa's like, okay, so why can't you see your kids now? 
And then Brock gets into the spiel that we heard about him moving to America in search of a better life for his family. And that in that time, his ex-wife got married again. So the kids got a new stepdad. And then he says, I just feel like I deserved it because I made the decision to make a better life for them. And then he starts crying. So I'm like scratching my head about this now because... He keeps acting like, oh, he keeps bringing up the stepdad as a reason for him not having access to the children, but that doesn't make any sense. Are you saying that, like, she moved on with her life and they had a stepdad and so he took over that father role and he felt like he should just let them have that because he made the decision to move to America. That's not, no, what? That doesn't cut it for me. What? He keeps talking about how he's working to get his children back, but it really sounds to me like he let them go and he just let them live their lives. And there was issues, but The issues don't seem in relation... Like, the restraining order has nothing to do with the kids. So why are we even talking about that? Why even mention that the domestic violence issue happened prior to the children's birth? So that doesn't have anything to do with them not having access... Him not having access to the kids. So, again, I just need the answer of why why can't you not talk to your children. Is it a choice that you're making because you feel guilty for moving to America? Because that's what it sounded like. And that's not good. That's not an excuse, honey. Not good. And when he starts to cry during this, it makes it sound even more like bullshit because it sounds like you're using tears to muddle the situation and make people feel bad for you. And I don't like that. If you guys heard something different, I would very much like to know because I just found that situation very confusing. And based on Twitter, I think a lot of people did too. So if you have clarity on the situation, holler at your girl because I really want to know. In a confessional, Lisa says, I desperately want this to be okay because I know how much Sheena wants it. But the fact the facts that she are she's hearing are very worrying. I'm I'm worried too, girl. So Lisa asked Brock if he's happy with Sheena, and he says that oh, you know, she makes my whole world, and that deep down I know she brings out the best in me. And it's like okay, well, I really hope this works out for everybody. Justice for Sheena. I want this happy ending for her. I really do. So then everybody sits down for dinner and Lisa points out that Lala's being quiet. And she's like, well, I just kind of feel a little bit awkward. And Lala says that they had a girl's night the night before. And she thought that, you know, that Sheena came to her about Brock and that Sheena twisted it and that she thought that they were friends and that they knew each other. And basically, you know, (laughs) it was like, it was Sheena's fault. So she's now blaming Sheena again, like Lala brings all this shit to the world, really. She brings it up on camera. Sheena doesn't react well, understandingly, understandably. And now she's mad at Sheena for not reacting how she wanted her to react. 
in a confessional is like Sheena's like, well, forgive me, Lala, for questioning your motives because it's not really like we've had the most solid relationship over the past few years. Lala says that she's simply voiced a concern because she's Sheena's friend and Tom starts to interrupt, but then Lisa tells him not to. And then Tom says to Lisa, give me a fucking second here. (laughs) And everybody's like, whoa, whoa. Now, I will admit something here because in the interest of fairness, I have to. I tend to be Team Sandoval, even though I see a lot of people are not that way. And I know this comes up in an episode coming up, but I also have seen other people not on the show say that they feel like Tom Sandoval talks crazy to women and that he feels like he can yell at them or talk to them any sort of way. I disagree. I, but I'm also want to hold space for the fact that I could be wrong and that he does. But in my mind, I'm thinking about the women that he's quote unquote, like gone after, if you want to say that, gotten into arguments with, and it's been like Stassi and Kristen. And so, eh. (laughs) I don't know. Like, you know, I don't, I, 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 as we move into this like society in which we are supposed to be equal, I think that I have maybe a more open-minded stance towards um, men and women getting into disagreements because I've always had a group of friends that have been, you know, men and women in almost equal parts. And we've never really had volatile relationships, but I feel like if, my guy friends were to come to me, I wouldn't feel particularly personally like it was inappropriate because they're men. That's just me. And that's the history that I have with these men that I trust. Right. But I could also see that like people who don't have that, or even if they do might feel some type of way about a man yelling at a woman. And that's entirely their right. I just don't always subscribe to that but I don't want to be blind to it either. So like, if you think that like Tom is going at these are is going at these women in a way that is inappropriate, then I would like to hear from you as well. I I'm totally willing to hear that. With that being said, telling Lisa to like, give me a fucking second was way out of pocket. That was for sure. Unequivocally like wrong, wrong, wrong. I don't know what he was doing. Wild, wild. Um, And he was right. He needed to apologize to her in that moment. I would have been more pissed than Lisa than she was for sure. Um, So anyway, uh, Lala then turns to Sheena to finish what she's going to say. And she says that she's extremely hurt by Sheena. (laughs) Okay. And that she thinks that Sheena is dangerous. See, and this is wild. And this is where I have to say, okay, if Tom's going to take up for Sheena in this moment, I'm kind of seeing his point. Because he says um, in a confessional that Lala's almost always the aggressor, but then she plays the victim. And she really has no business talking about Brock. She does often play the aggressor. And then she often plays the victim when people don't react the way that she wants them to, which is to kowtow to her and to defer to her. And... I'm with him on that. I'm sorry. (laughs) And I was kind of with him again when he was like, hey, 
if we're going to talk about what we can and can't talk about in a relationship, let's run that beautiful bean footage back to the beginning of your relationship with Randall. And you had a lot of stipulations and contracts at the ready so that we didn't talk about him on camera. And you were acting like you weren't even with this man in the very beginning and that you had no idea what anybody was talking about. But now it's like, we have to call all this shit to the carpet with Sheena. And that just isn't fair. Um, and, listen, I I don't disagree. But then Lala pops back off on him and is like, yo, like, don't even put Randall's name in the same category as Brock because what Brock did is some wild shit. Like, he, that man has not seen his kids in four years. Like, so how dare you? Because Randall's a stand-up guy. So Brock (laughs) says that Lala's playing the victim and that he is working on seeing his children again. So then Tom says, listen, Lala, like if, what if I had brought up stuff that Randall had done 10 years ago, you'd be popping off. And I just don't really feel like in this moment, you're looking out for Sheena. So then Katie turns to Sandoval and says, are you punking us right now? Or are you just being a punk? (laughs) Good one, Katie. Which one is it? You were waiting for that one, weren't you? Like, just, I'm waiting for this opportunity to say this. Like, I'm going to hit him with the one-two Ashton Kutcher blow, and it's going to shock the fucking world. (laughs) No, 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 sweetie. Um, So, Sheena tells Lala, listen, I, I... Lala tells Sheena, sorry, I I hope you're happy and I wish you nothing but the best, but I just don't think that we mesh well as friends. And if Brock can sleep well at night, then it is what it is. And she gets up and leaves. She starts crying. Lisa follows behind her and she just says, I'm a good friend. And how dare other people judge me for that? Because I'm scared for Sheena. And they're out here to try to make me seem like the villain. She's got it all twisted. Like if you care about Sheena you can't they then say that Sheena the fact that you were upset that I basically said on camera that your boy is abusive <laughs> um you didn't respond well to that and so I'm you're dangerous and maybe we just don't mesh well as friends it, it, that's not how life works you know there are going to be times where you approach your friends on some stuff and they're not going to react well but that is not then the moment to act like you're mad at them <laughs> you know especially in a situation as delicate as this like what what are you what is she doing what is her end game ugh it's like i want to know the answer to this but i also really just don't care i'm so tired of lala anyway <laughs> Let's move on. Erica, you said you live off credit cards. When did you realize Tom was having money troubles? Was one of your cards rejected? Um, In 2020, yeah. I was on Broadway. You were on Broadway? Yeah. And were you like... Yeah. <laughs> did any of you hear that Tom was having money problems Mm-mm. before? Um, I had heard something, yeah. You had? Yeah, but I didn't know if it's true like everything Go else. Go yeah. say what it is. Andy knows as much as I do. What do you know? <laughs> Sorry, Andy. We had heard something from the same person a few years ago. And what was it? That he was in financial trouble. Why wouldn't you come to me and tell me? I thought it was gossip, honestly. It, it didn't they even register like a, I was like... Right, to a lot okay, of people. Right, you guys, let's get into Real Housewives of Beverly Hills Part 4 Reunion. 
Then I'm going to get into Winter House, but uh, much like I had to do last week with Vanderpump Rules, I'm just going to go off memory. But I think that's going to be fun, and I think it's going to be fine, and I think you'll be happy, depending on what I remember. (laughs) So let's get into Beverly Hills. I just like... Obviously, we know that this did not need four parts, right? I feel like we breezed through several of the women and we needed to. Like, we deserved that. I did not need a full court press on Dorit, Rena, kind of not even Crystal. Hell, not even really Garcelle, if we're really getting into it, or Sutton, or Kai. Wow. I mean, really, nobody had, like, personal, personal stories except for Erica this season. All the... Um, nut meat, if you will, came from the dynamic between like Sutton and Crystal, let's say, Garcelle and Erica, Garcelle and Lisa, um, etc. You guys were there, you watched the whole season. I don't need to get into this, but we start off this whole episode with Erica continuing to yell at Crystal for simply asking the question of why have we not seen you be angry towards Tom? She's popping off. Is this angry enough for you? Blah, blah, blah. And really a lot of this episode, at least the beginning portion, was Andy slowly walking through and explaining to Erica as though she's a five-year-old why people don't necessarily want to come to her or don't necessarily feel like she is a safe place to land because she's constantly popping off at people at the slightest provocation. I think this is a good time to say that in terms of an interview and in terms of an interrogation, if you want to take it that far, I think that Andy did the best he could. You know, he asked a lot of good questions. I can't really at this moment think of a question that he didn't ask um I saw a lot of people even more than last week say that they understood Erica that they get it now and she did say a couple things I'm gonna say two to three things that I was like okay I I see you we see each other I get it and I'm here with you but in terms of Andy's interview skills like you know you have to understand, or you don't have to understand. I'm just going to say this. <laughs> the, he had to play a, a, a tight, he had to walk a tight line, right? Like you can't go too hard because the basically he is invested in Erica. Erica is his product. He, and so you have to, um, you know, understand how to navigate and, and you, you know, interviewing is like, there's a psychology to that and you have to be open. You have to have the kind of, um, attitude or demeanor that is going to allow people to want to open up to you and even open up to you more than they had planned on. I mean, obviously we know Erica came into this with a game plan, It was a much better game plan than she had the entire season, what have you. But there was still just a lot of, I thought, hand-holding, I guess, or just, just like walking through what Erica did and why. And I think there was a, a, a necessity to that because 
it's it served him well later when he was asking the hard-hitting questions. So yeah, back to the reunion. Andy's is telling Erica, like, if I were in your position, I would be furious. But I would also want to talk to my friends who are asking questions and give them clarity and making sure that my friends knew all the answers without isolating them. So, you know, Erica's like, I didn't isolate them. And, you know, there's a lot of back and forth between Sutton and Erica. And I think a lot of people from what I saw on Twitter um, were kind of like eh, on Sutton this whole time, but really liked Erica. Um, I thought Sutton did very well. I thought she held her own. I I really like the way she handled this whole situation. So Doree tries to somewhat take up for Sutton by saying, well, you did bite her head off, even though like you guys aren't really close friends. This is how you treated her. Um, and then Erica, again, brings up how hurt she was about how some of the people acted like, okay, yeah, maybe I'm not friends with Sutton like that, but who I was friends with, Dorit, was you and Kyle. And she again brings up the PK doing like, do the fucking ankle joke. Now, this is something that I just wish that like, there are some situations that aren't going to garner sympathy because at the end of the day, they're just funny. You know, and this like do the ankle is just an objectively funny thing that happened. It's one of the funniest things that have ever happened and brought in Beverly Hills history. And like, I just think that maybe she shouldn't stop bringing that up because it's it's funny. And I'm going to laugh every time she brings it up, just like every time Candace calls Ashley forehead over a Potomac. I let a teehee out. okay? and I'm going to continue to do it every time it's brought up. That's just me. So for me, like, if I saw people having a good old kiki at my expense and I saw how everybody else was reacting and they were all ha ha haing, I just would take the L and just not ever bring that up again as like, oh, this hurt me so bad because, they're, you know, they're just going to run it back and everybody's going to laugh again, you know? Anyway, then Andy asks the women what they thought when the rumor the rumors started coming out about Erica and Tom possibly being in a sham marriage. And of course, I don't even have to say which three were the first one to chime in and say like, I know I didn't believe their marriage was fake at all. No, definitely, definitely, definitely did not think that ever, never, ever. Then they pivot to the timeline of when Erica knew about her money problems, since she said that she had, lift off credit cards during her marriage and she never had access to a bank account didn't know how to write a check or deposit money or whatever just living off those credit cards right and so andy asks okay if you have been living off credit cards like was there a point where your card got declined and this was probably the most interesting thing that i heard her say which is that she started figuring it out when she was on broadway which was, you know, prior to the lockdown, which, hmm, that's, that's certainly interesting. And I'm going to take back what I said. I feel like we did not get a satisfactory answer to, I know Andy asked, like, did you jump ship? Did you know that something was going down, that shit was going down, and that you decided to jump ship? She said no. She Well, she didn't say no. She said that that was part of it, that that was an aspect and that there were many other parts. But, like, I don't feel like we ever got a concrete answer as to why did you file, 
you know? Because to me, she should be able to answer that no problem if it has nothing to do with the financials and it has everything to do with y'all's romantic relationship in your marriage, then why can she not answer that? That seems like a very easy question to answer. And I feel like we, I have not gotten a satisfactory answer on that. Then they start talking about the rumor, right? How Bethany had come out and said on her podcast that Dennis told her about, um, uh, 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 Tom's financial problems years ago because he himself, Dennis, was owed money by Tom and how he was broke and blah, blah, blah. And Kyle, just a, whew, just a real, real Kyle. And she, she's like, yeah, you know, I heard some things, but uh, Andy, you know about as much as I know, don't you? <laughs> just, she is like constantly just lobbing that volleyball right over the net or whatever sports um, comparison would be apropos in this situation. She, you know, Andy, Erica, excuse me, asks both Andy and Kyle, why did you not say anything? If you had heard these years ago, why did you guys not tell me? And they were both like, well, (laughs) Andy was, Andy's answer was basically like, honestly, I didn't really give a shit. Like I heard it and I kind of moved on with my life. And Kyle was like, well, I just thought it was a rumor. You know, no big deal. But I kind of feel like, is that really honest? Because it's not like random people tweeting at Kyle and Andy and people dug up their receipts. That is another housewife who should be pretty damn credible. I mean, we know she has, Bethany had a relationship with Kyle, a, a decades long uh, friendship with her. So why would you just chalk that up to gossip? This is your friend for like quite a long time. Andy, you're also friends with Bethany. Why did you guys not believe her? I don't know if I believe them and just being like, eh, you know, that was what I, mm, I don't know. I don't know, girl. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Anyway, then Erica reveals that she does talk to Tom now, um, probably because her lawyer said it was okay. (laughs) And she says that she reached out to him when she saw those paparazzi pictures of Tom um, outside the uh, living assisted living 
a facility that he's living in where he had clearly lost a lot of weight or he was wearing clothes that were too big for him. He had that uh, black eye. And she said that she just wanted to make sure he was okay. And then she says that he still calls every day. And that even he even called her five times while she was at the reunion. Now, like, I don't want to be super paranoid. And I also want to be, I don't want to be insensitive to anybody who's gone through um, a parent or a grandparent or a family member or a friend who's had dementia. This is not my wheelhouse. I don't know. I can only go by what people are saying. But here's my thing. Is that it just... At one point, Andy asked, like, did, did you ever ask Tom why, why, you know, like, did you ever ask him about the situation, the, the, the lawsuits and all of that? And she says, well, what's the point? Basically, like I, she said, I, I asked him like, why would you leave me with millions of dollars in lawsuits pointed at me? But then she says that his answer doesn't matter because he is mentally incompetent and he also does not acknowledge these lawsuits and that when she presses him, he just has nothing to say. And I understand that like when people have dementia, it's not a, you could be fine one moment and then not the other. You could be totally cognizant one minute and then not know who anybody is the next. And it's just like this wildly unpredictable situation. So I just don't want to come off like an asshole. But to me, I don't really know how much I believe the story. And so when she's saying things like, oh, I called him to ask him how he was doing. And this is months after she filed for divorce And he's calling her multiple times while she's at the reunion. But when she asks him about these lawsuits, she says that he doesn't know. And even if he were to answer, it wouldn't matter because he's incompetent. I just, I don't know. Just something about that raises my hackles. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Then Erica starts to have some, she starts to clarify some things. She said that, you know, in terms of the LA Times article that said that $25 million had gone into EJ Global, that that was factually incorrect, that it was actually a sum of $14 million, and that money had been um, deposited into her account or into her LLC over the course of 14 or 12 years, she said. $14 million in 12, 12 years. Um <laughs> At this point, Kathy, <laughs> Kathy heard $14 million and was like, girl, let me, let me just supply my lipstick here. Like I'm, I'm not here. I'm, she's so disinterested in all of this money talk with Erica <laughs> and it really, really cracks me up. Um, she is like $14 million. Is that all we're talking about? Like, what does that cost, Michael? What, how much is $14 million? Like a house? Like, this is broke bitch behavior. She she does not know what... $14 million is nothing to Kathy Hilton, okay? She, she sold a house for 15 for fun, okay? <laughs> Another thing that I didn't quite feel... I, I feel like it muddied the situation even more was then Andy asked um, about how it comes off or 
how Erica was coming off like she was trying to guide us into thinking that Tom's uh, mental capacity was diminishing because of that him taking a tumble right but those financial the lawsuits had been coming down for a decade which is way before that and um erica's response to that is that she's just simply saying what she's experienced meaning she only experiences mental decline after the the lawsuit or after the um the accident i don't know it just it it it, a lot of things were very murky to me i feel like i did not get the clarity that a lot of people did so if you guys want to help me then send me an email at everyone's business but mine at gmail.com so andy asks everybody if they had heard the rumors about the law firm girardi keese not doing well everybody says no which seems like false because wasn't that part of what bethany said to kyle I don't know. Um, Erica says, well, look, like nobody knew this stuff until it happened. And what else were we supposed to believe when he was still, Tom was still receiving awards for his work um, leading up to this. And then Andy says, you know, if you knew all this stuff, you probably wouldn't have come out with a song called expensive. Right. And this was the only point where I was like, okay, Erica, I'm fucking with you. And she says it plain and simple, like, it's not even the song. Like, I would not have gone on this show. Like, she even starts laughing. She's like, I know I wouldn't be able to hide something like this. I'm not some sort of financial mastermind. There's no some master plan to me going on this show. It's a tragic sequence of events that are completely terrible. And then Andy brings up something like a rumor that Sutton had heard and told the other ladies about how she had heard through one of uh, a wife of a a former uh, employee of Girardi Keys that he left the firm because he said something in the milk wasn't clean. Erica asks her about that and Sutton says, well, I don't know what the name is. I don't really know any of the information. And Erica very rightly is like, well, then that's not something that you should say. Like if you do not know who these people are and if you don't know the facts, Don't say it. And if you do, actually, it could possibly help me in my lawsuits and my investigations. So if you have any information, then you should tell me that. And that in that moment, the like two minutes and 30 seconds of, of that moment were the most I believed Erica this entire season. This was another great moment where Lisa Renna pipes in and says, you know, talking behind people's back never works. And Andy, Andy was like, Renna. Girl, you of all people, you of all people should not be saying that. And and Lisa says, well, yeah, I'm like, I should know more than anybody not to do that. And we get a flashback of uh, Lisa talking shit behind Denise's back about how she had posted an Instagram story of her at the hospital and how she knows the game and, and how tactical that was. And for it was only to garner sympathy and deflect. Then shout out to Harry from Long Island, who says... I'm so disappointed in so many of you when it comes to questioning Erica. Crystal, you were quiet. Kyle, you're a kiss-ass. Dorit, you were duplicitous. He hit them with the alliterative raids, and I was here for it. Kyle says that she did ask the questions, and in fact, she asked so many questions that she felt bad. Oh, no. You asked so many questions, you felt bad, Kyle. Oh, Oh, Lord, help us. And Erica says... 
you know, the difference between what Kyle did and what other people did is that Kyle never accused me of lying. And then at this point, Garcelle turns to Sutton and whispers, did Erica ever apologize to you? And Sutton's like, no, girl. <laughs> Erica catches what they're, that they're whispering to each other. So she asks them what they're talking about. And Erica's, or, you know, uh, Garcelle's like, well, I just wondered if you ever apologized to Sutton for going off on her at Kathy's dinner. And she's like, no, what should I apologize for? And Andy and Garcelle are both like, uh, for threatening her? For saying that you were going to come for her, probably? And her family? I don't know. So Erica says what she really meant by saying, I'm going to come for you, was that everybody in the show has a moment. A moment where they're called to the carpet or something goes on or they have to answer for something along those lines. She's like, this season it was me. Next season, Sutton, it could be you. And I just want you to know that I'm not going to be giving you, I'm going to give you the exact same amount of grace that you gave me during this season. And that's what I meant by I'm going to come for you. And everybody's like, well, that's really not how it came off. And Garcelle says, I kind of feel like if you had said that, it would have been a lot easier to digest than simply saying I'm coming for you. Everybody admits, even Lisa, that it was kind of scary that Erica threatened her like that. And Erica's like, oh, you know, and please, in Potomac, this would have just been a conversation. In Atlanta, this would have just been a conversation. You can hear Garcelle says, what is she, where is she going with this? And I think every black person thought, well, what do you mean, girl? She goes on to say, you know, in New York, this would have just been a conversation. But it's only in Beverly Hills that people are so precious. And it's like, okay, I guess I see what you mean. Good save on adding New York at the end because it was getting real pointed <laughs> in the beginning. Um, is that true? Yeah, probably. I mean, she's right. In New York, they do have a history of saying the most nasty, vile things to each other. And then the next day being like, hey, girl, you're my sister. You're my soulmate. <laughs> and I love you till the end. <laughs> I'm sorry that I called you a broken whore. Um, I'm sorry that I called you a slut uh, from the 90s. <laughs> you know, but let's move on. Let's move on. Then Andy brings up that incredible tweet from Queens of Bravo on Twitter who, who posted the four screenshots of Erica. Or what? Or what? And pointing her finger at Sutton and going off on her at Kathy's house with the caption. And not once was she called a bully. And Andy brings up the fact that Garcelle had retweeted that and said, thank you. Right? So Garcelle says that that was probably her greatest regret from the season. The fact that in that moment, she didn't stick up for Sutton and that it still haunts her that she didn't stop that. And another viewer said that if they had been threatened the way Erica had threatened Sutton that they would have hired security and Sutton reveals that she in fact did hire security for that week. Erica starts laughing and Sutton's like, well, you told me you were going to come after me and my family. And Erica says, yeah, after you came after me and my family, Sutton says, you know, it just didn't really feel like we could have a conversation about it. And Erica says, well, it kind of felt like you were being a bitchy fucking cunt. (laughs) I just feel like, "Mm." There's a point where we curse too much and it loses its effect. You know, we don't, we didn't need the BFC all in a row. It's just, it's a little too thick and it, and it, whatever. That's just my personal opinion. So Erica tells 
uh, Sutton that she felt like Sutton was only concerned about herself and Sutton <laughs> snaps to you and was like, actually, I wasn't only concerned about myself. I was concerned about the victims um, because it didn't really seem like you cared about them at all. <laughs> Work. So Erica says, you know, like, what, what should I have needed to do? And Sutton says, well, you were throwing insults at me. And Erica says, well, I'm not going to be called a liar. Sutton shrugs and says, well, you know what you did to me in Del Mar? And we get a flashback of them uh, uh, walking slash rolling, depending on who we're talking about, to the yacht. And Erica's saying, she's like issuing kind of a mea culpa of, of like, it's okay. Don't worry about what you said. Like, we can move on, blah, blah, blah. And Sutton says, you know what you did to me in Del Mar? You pretended to be my friend. And Sutton says, because I thought you were being sincere. And you know what you call that? Lying. And Erica says, no, that's actually just playing your ass. What do you need to play? What did you need to play her for? For what? Erica starts talking about how she never told the story about Tom's crash to anybody and how she wasn't lying. She was basically omitting certain things in order to protect Tom. But Garcelle brings up a good point of, again, people can't read your mind. And so it's one thing if you're lying to protect your family, we can all understand that. But people if people don't know that that's what you're doing then it just comes off as you simply being a liar another shout out to robbie viewer robbie from redondo beach who points out the glaring hypocrisy of lisa renna basically saying that we shouldn't be questioning erica when she has made it the benchmark benchmark of her housewives career of questioning other people were people doing coke in your house what about munchausen's let's uh google the definition of that kim i heard you were close to death how about that um, you know, all the hits, all the low lights of Rinna, um, Denise trying to take down that, that Andy says, you, you're saying we shouldn't, um, talk about Erica because it's serious stuff, but Denise's marriage was serious. Kim's sobriety was serious. Yolanda's personal health was very serious. And she's like, you know, I, I really feel horrible about what happened to Yolanda and I regret that and it was just wrong on every level and I, I wish I could take it back and I regret that it ever happened and you know I, I, with Kim I just feel like it was not my place to talk about how she was near death and not in a good place with her sobriety and then she very smugly and I hated this was like you know I kind of hope in the end that maybe it helped in some way it's like what that is so gross. Like, I don't, I don't like that. Like, you going off on her, talking about her sobriety, talking about how she's close to death and just on the fucking brim. And you want to, like, in some warped way, pat yourself on the back and say, like, maybe that helped her sobriety in a way? I don't, I doubt it. I don't think it did. Then Andy brings up the Lucy Lucy apple juice of it all. And how like they went so hard on Lisa Rinna, but Erica like basically cuts Andy off and is like, well, I don't know why we're, you know, those, those are false equivalencies. It's not the same thing. Lisa Vanderpump didn't show up, but I'm here. And it was like, okay, (laughs) Lisa couldn't answer the bell. And I showed up. (sighs) I don't. Okay, fine. I mean, I also feel like Lisa, 
didn't need the check, you know? <laughs> Lisa didn't have to show up and, like, answer questions about Lucy, Lucy, apple juice. And, yeah, it's not a fair comparison because we're talking about a dog that Dorit rehomed, which really all this goes back to Dorit rehoming the dog in, a, in an unethical way. And also, like, Erica, you need a check. So, yeah, you had to show up because that was $100,000 that you just got from film, filming four, four parts of this reunion. So, I don't know. I, I it's, not a, it's not a good equivalency, but not for the reason that Erica says it is. Anyway, Erica keeps ranting at Sutton. Honestly, I don't care at this point. Andy starts laughing at Erica and says, you're a piece of work. <laughs> And that's, and that's it. So then we get back to Tommy taking a tumble and how Erica went back and looked at her phone records, I guess. And he was actually missing for nine hours and not 12, you guys. So Andy asks if there is a police report. And Erica says, well, they can't find one. <laughs> okay. So then Erica says, she tells us all what happened. She says the last time she spoke to Tom, it was at nine o'clock. He was in a, at an event on the West side. And... She said, I did not speak to him again until six o'clock in the morning. She says she knew that around midnight when she hadn't heard or seen Tom, she thought something was weird. So she kept calling, calling, calling. No answer. Finally, at 6 a.m., her phone rings and it's Tom. And he says, hi, I don't know where I am. I think I'm on the west side. And then the phone disconnects. Andy asks, well, didn't you do like find a phone? Blah, blah, blah. They're like, he he has a flip phone, Andy. Keep up. Okay. Um, so then Tom calls back. She asks him where he is. He says, I think I'm by the backyard, but she's looking at the backyard and can't see him. So she asks him, what do you see around you? And he mentions the bridge. So she knows at that point that he is in the backyard, but he's like, you know, like below the house. So Dorit says, did Tom say that he had been in an accident? And Erica snaps at her and is like, I'm finishing my story. Can I finish my story? And Garcelle says, well, I think this is why we don't want to ask you questions. Your reaction? So anyway, Erica looks down in the backyard, sees that the car is tilted, but she does not see Tom. Tom is even further down in a ravine. So she calls 911. He goes to the hospital and, you know, ankle, ankle, do the fucking ankle, right? So... Um, Andy asks why Erica shifted from saying that the car accident happened to later saying that it allegedly happened. And she says that she got in trouble with her lawyers. And so she had to pull it back. Then Andy asks about the snow in Pasadena. She says she doesn't want to answer that on the grounds that it's her kid or whatever. Okay. Um, And then she starts to throw some shade at Tom's children by saying, you know, I don't want to talk about that, but I, you know, he, he's the one who showed up. His own kids didn't. She says that she doesn't talk to Tom's kids anymore. Um, and it's just like a whole thing. So then Andy brings up the fact that most people are concerned about how Erica is not really talking about the victims. There was also a part where, (laughs) where they talk about Camille tweeting about, uh, Erica's use of waterproof mascara and how they went swimming in the ocean a couple years ago and she didn't notice any mascara running. And Erica brought up some point about how she had used a different uh, makeup artist that she usually wears 
uh, waterproof mascara because she has allergies, blah, blah, blah. But she said something about how, like, it was inappropriate for people like Camille who aren't on the show anymore to like come in from the side and share their opinion on the matter. And I feel like, no girl, like that's what makes it fun. Like I want to part of, part of the charm, like you all should all be thanking Camille for doing these like shady tweets because it adds flavor. It really does. It adds flavor and I appreciate it. I appreciate it more than I would, or not even more. She's in the same league as um, how last season uh, Danielle Staub of Real Housewives of New Jersey would <laughs> go on Instagram live during all the episodes and like live watch it and share her thoughts. Like that shit's funny. That is funny. And if we can all do it, as civilians, then I damn sure want to hear from our old housewives what they think about the whole situation. So yeah, Andy talks about how like most of us are just concerned about the victims and the fact that Erica has not really mentioned the victims. And uh, Erica says that the best way she can serve them is by participating in the investigations to get down to the bottom of it. So Dorit tries to gently tell Erica... If you had just stated that before, people would have understood that. And then Erica starts talking in third person about how, um, you know, Erica's being sued every day. Erica has said this. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, Andy asks Erica for answering. Er, he thanks Erica for answering every question. And then he asks the women if they feel like they got some clarity. And Kyle's like, you know what I did? I really did. I did think that I got some clarity and, and, you know, there were just some things like, you know, the rolling of the car four times and then five times. And, you know, there were just glaring inconsistencies and, and Erica's like, well, you know, that, that was my son. But then she asks like, she didn't want to talk about the son. Like he's off limits, but it's like, you're, you put him on the limit or whatever you put him on the table. So we got to talk about it. We got to talk about all the times about the snow. Like those are still questions. You don't want to talk about the snow because it has to do with your son? Okay, well, then why did you bring it up? We can all go to the Farmer's Almanac, girl. We saw it. Anyway. Um, so then Erica says that she wants to just take a moment. And Andy starts off by saying that the most important thing that he heard was Erica finally acknowledging the victims and how they need to have their situation rectified. And Erica says... The legitimate claims need to be taken care of. Have there been a lot of claims that have been illegitimate? It just feels like an unnecessary word to put in there. That the legitimate claims need to be taken care of. I just feel like she could have kept that out. Anyway. Um, the Erica takes a moment and says she, she thanks everybody for hearing her out. Because things aren't pretty. And how in the past few months people have run wild and tried to fill out the blanks on their own and she's just hoping that people will understand that this won't be wrapped up easily because it's a long and arduous process um so andy tries to wrap up and kathy raises her very rich uh pointer finger and says actually i want to say something too and she turns to garcelle and says that she wants to apologize to her so <laughs> we find out that there was a covid situation 
And that even though uh, Kathy was negative for COVID, she was still in a three-day like holding pattern of isolation. So she wasn't able to go to Garcelle's Haitian party at her house, but she thought that somebody had told her that she wasn't able to attend. So that's why she didn't say anything. <laughs> hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, folks. I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. And so we're like, okay, well, thank you. <laughs> Garcelle was like, I did not expect this uh, apology. You didn't have to say it, but but I appreciate it. So um, that was really the end. You know, Andy asked them to do like a rose and thorn or whatever about their what they would change or their regrets over the season. Don't care. You can listen to another podcast. I'm sure they'll tell you. <laughs> Um, was there anything interesting from that? No, there wasn't. I didn't write it down. So let's, let's talk about Winter House. Okay, you guys, I'm like, I'm like in a, I'm in a pre-depression about the fact that Winter House is already halfway done. I'm like bummed. I'm like really bummed about it. <laughs> I, I, I'm almost like having the same amount of pleasure that I, that was deriving from, watching summer house and uh, I, i'm sad i the thing that i think that i love about winter house it is it's completely inconsequential right like i it's just hot people partying hooking up getting upset about who's hooking up with who and there's really no stakes in the game there's no burn victims no people are just like let's go tubing let's get wasted on lover boy and let's get into it and i loved it i absolutely loved it so there's like a a simmering storyline and attention that's happening between Kyle and Amanda. Amanda's feeling a little bit left out. She's feeling like Kyle's works too much. There's not enough time for them as a couple. And she thought that going into the winter house would give them that time to like be together. But Kyle's basically in work mode or party with everybody else in the house mode. And there's not really much time for Kai Amanda, right? So Kyle seems to have a sense of this, but Amanda's just like growing increasingly frustrated to the point where she ends up getting on a call with her mom to talk about her frustrations and how she just wishes like, you know, I have not gone on a vacation with Kyle in so many years. I just wish he would do something nice for me. So she goes into 
a bathroom to talk, a private bathroom. So Kyle is starting to party and then he realizes that Amanda's not there. So he looks all around the house except for this bathroom that she's in to try to find her. He goes through every room, nowhere to be found. So then he starts getting upset. All the house starts looking for Amanda. Kyle and Lindsay go up to the bedroom to like have a little conversation about this. And Kyle starts to cry. (laughs) He starts to cry because he can't, he doesn't know where Amanda is. This is very serious. He feels like he's failing in the relationship. He gets so upset. Lindsay's like, hold on one moment. I'm going to find Amanda for you. So she finally finds her in this bathroom. (laughs) You guys, I fucking screamed. Kyle's crying. Amanda walks into the bedroom. She has no idea why he's crying. And she immediately starts crying. (laughs) It's like, Cookie, what's wrong? (laughs) I absolutely love their love. It's so funny to me. They're just two blonde crybabies. And I could not love them more. They're my people and I adore them. Anyway, Lindsay is obviously very frustrated coming off of this conversation with Austin where she finds out that not only is he like, hey girl, love you like a sister. Also, I'm going to be making out with your winter house roommate, Sierra. So, oh, did you guys see that clip from Watch What Happens Live? Uh, On winter house night, Sierra and Paige were on and... Last week, there was some drama between Austin and Lindsay because Austin was on Watch What Happens Live. Lindsay was in the audience. Andy asked a bunch of questions about, like, who would you rather between Paige and Lindsay? Excuse me, Sierra and Lindsay. And most of his answers, you know, particularly, like, who's a better kisser? Who would you rather bring home to your mom? Who's better looking? Most of the questions were in Sierra's favor. We'll just say that. So... Um, apparently from that, Lindsay unfollowed Austin on Instagram and she said on a podcast, I guess, that she needed a break from him. And so Andy asked Sierra about that. And Sierra's answer was like pretty callous. And I'm kind of wondering if we see some drama or if we're going to see some drama between Lindsay and Sierra in the summer house. But Sierra's answer was basically just like, well, he answered them honestly. And like, if I'm a better kisser, then so what? And like, Lindsay shouldn't be mad about that. It was just a game. He was answering the questions and basically like, well, he didn't diss me. So I don't really give a fuck and she should just get over it. I thought that was like pretty spicy. Anyway, yeah, Lindsay's rightfully feeling some type of way about this whole situation. And she was like, damn, I went into this thinking this was going to be like this two-week little romantic situation between Austin and I. And now it's not. And Austin is such a fuckboy. Like, he tells Sierra about this. And he's like, I just can't understand why she would... Why, why Lindsay would drop this I love you on me out of nowhere, knowing my past with with uh madison and i just feel like who gives a shit like what does that have to do with anything why can't a girl have feelings for you because you had drama with madison first of all you and madison were never in love okay so what's the issue (laughs) i don't really understand the issue and that feels like if i were a sierra that kind of feels like a red flag of 
why are you mad at her for liking you? Why is that not fair? To, I don't understand. I didn't understand what he's saying because I don't speak fuckboy. You know, I, I don't. This episode, it feels like a lot of lines were drawn and a lot of uh, clarity was given to everybody because we know that there's some sort of weird triangle between Jason, Doja Cat, and Luke. Doja has a crush on Luke. Jason has a crush on Doja. Luke doesn't really want Doja Cat, but she doesn't know that yet. But Jason finds out that, you know, Gabby, Doja hit him with a love you like a sister too and it was just like you know i think we're platonic and i think we're not going to do that obviously the gods the bravo gods are pointing jason and Lindsay and in the direction of eventually hooking up and i'm ready to see that because clearly (laughs) for both of them they just were looking for somebody to like they were looking for a house love you know and and i I, I'm interested and and looking forward to a, a romance made out of convenience and from leftovers. I'm excited about that. Um, another thing I'm excited about is the issue with Gabby and Julia, because Julia has been presenting us. And I thought it was weird the first time she said it. And then I was like, oh, this is definitely weird now. Is it she keeps saying, you know, oh, I have a boyfriend, but it doesn't mean that I can't be fun. It doesn't mean that I can't hang out with everybody and party and hang out with the girls, blah, blah, blah. But then when they have this like kegger, first of all, it was like this most sad kegger I've I've ever seen. It wasn't even a full size one. It was like a put that put that keg at a southern charm party and they would have been like okay is this like an individual one just for craig for this is like half a one for shep this this was just like an amuse bouche for shep that little keg anyway um they're having this like college beer keg party and julia kind of sets her eyes on luke luke starts setting his eyes on julia Doja Cat's noticing that Luke and and Julia have their eyes for each other, and she's really feeling some type of way. Um, Not only because Julia had told her earlier, oh, I'll talk to Luke for you and try to gauge and see if he's got feelings for you. And next thing she knows, they're like grinding on top of a table with each other. And Doja's pissed. And she's like, she reveals that this is not the first time that Julia has blown up her spot. Apparently with her ex-boyfriend, Julia had something to do with their breakup. So she goes into a closet and tells Paige all this stuff. Sierra overhears it. And then Sierra goes back downstairs and is like, oh, Doja Cat's, uh, Julia, Doja Cat's been talking shit about how you take her man. Uh, so what's good? <laughs> so, Julia's then pissed because Gabby's talking behind her back and not saying it to her face and, I, I, oh, I, I'm just loving this. I'm loving this. I, Luke, I, I cannot make heads or tails of like what Luke's deal is. It seems like he has no interest in sex, no real interest in hooking up, but he does like to chase. And I think he liked the chase of Hannah dating guys, being flirtatious and chasing after him. He knows that Julia has a boyfriend and he asks, I can't remember who he asked, if it was Andrea or whoever, if they <laughs> can figure out what the deal is with Julia's boyfriend because he's interested. Yikes, dude. 
Yikes. Um, what was another thing? Oh, so Sierra and uh, Austin go on a double date with Amanda and Kyle. Amanda and Kyle start talking about how it's nice to see new couples and couples going on dates because they can, you know, they basically um, phone it in on each other and don't bring the romance and are just running on autopilot. So it's nice for them to remind each other that there's actually supposed to be passion and wanting in a relationship. Um, uh, what else happened? Oh, so, you know, uh, uh, Paige has been trying to make fetch happen with Andrea this whole time. And he's been like, oh, here's your coffee, madame, you're the most beautiful woman. And so she is like happy for Sierra that Sierra is about to go on this date, but also jealous that Andrea didn't think to add himself and Paige onto this date. And, at one point, they're all sitting in the house, and Andrea asks Paige how much she weighs so that he can use her to do squats. <laughs> so Paige starts getting annoyed that she could be on this lovely date in a beautiful ski town, and what she's doing is being used as, like, some sort of piece for your CrossFit adventures. And she wasn't down for that. Now, I would have been. <laughs> that would have been fun for me. But you know what? To each her own. To each their own. And that's why she's got Craig. And that's why... Well, this this is called everyone's business but mine. I'm, I'm fine. Well, you know... Shut up. We're not getting into this. Bye. Okay. That was the end of the episode. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. I'll be back next week. Love you.